You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Big Blue View Radio. Myself, Nick Filato, is joined by the great Chris Flum to break down the most recent New York Giant news and all the happenings around the NFL. And right now, it's kind of a pretty crazy day because Logan Ryan, it was just announced about an hour ago on Twitter and Instagram that he will no longer be a New York Giant. He said his farewells, and the Giants are effectively releasing a pre-June cut, not a post-June first cut, which is important. They are releasing the two-year starter for the New York Giants. Chris, my man, what is your thoughts on this release? Well, this is definitely not a salary cap move. I mean, they do have some cap savings. They're not costing themselves money by releasing him like they would with uh, Kenny Galladay or Leonard Williams. They, they do have a small cap savings. It's about $775,000 this year. I believe it'll be about $3 million next year. They're eating a lot of dead cap to release him. But yeah, you know, this really does feel like the coaching staff wanted to get their guy in the building at the safety position. You know, Logan Ryan, he was a defensive captain, great leader, but you, know, you have to wonder what kind of a fit he would be for Wink Martindale's defense because you know, he's getting older. He can't really do the man coverage anymore. Great zone coverage guy, a really smart zone coverage guy, mm-hmm. but you know, he's on the downside of his career. The athleticism isn't quite there anymore. And also, he was a Joe Judge guy. Yeah, he knew Joe Judge from New England. Yeah, he was one of Judge's biggest supporters over the last couple of years. So uh, I'm not saying he was a malcontent or anything like that, but you could see Brian Dayball, Wink Martindale wanting to get their guy in the building and also maybe get a good look at Julian Love because he's going into a contract year this year. Yes, he is, and I think they would want to get a good look at Julian Love. Julian Love, I feel like, has been a Swiss Army knife for giant defenses in recent years. He was able to kick out to boundary cornerback and play apex overhang slot. Nickel can drop into deep half and too high, can play single high. He did that a lot in 2020. Didn't think that was probably his best utilization, but I think he can do that in a pinch. But as for Logan Ryan, man, you're spot on. I don't think he was a malcontent or anything like that, but – The Giants are obviously going in another direction, and this is somebody who understands defense, understands football, has all the mental side of things, but did show a slight decline in his play last year. I thought he was excellent in 2020. Last year, he was pretty replacement level, and he's also on the wrong side of 30. He's 31 years old now, so I thought maybe when this initially happened, it was going to be more of a cap savings. It seems like it's only going to be about 775K and and I want to preface this. We could be wrong here because there's still 
a lot of reports kind of coming out from from people who are more in tune with the salary cap and what the New York Giants are doing with the salary cap. But it doesn't seem like this is a huge savings. And I think it saves three million next year. Is that right, Chris? Uh, as near as I can tell, yes. Uh, I have to. I have to admit the. NFL economy and the salary cap structures and the manipulations and all the various uh, formulas and everything that go into it that that tends to make my head spin. But that's what it looks like. Yeah, there's a lot of language that we don't see in, in the fine print of the contracts. But this does open up a whole nother conversation about the safety position because the Giants are sitting there at five and seven, presumably one of the best prospects in the draft, Kyle Hamilton, the safety at a Notre Dame, is going to be around for those two picks. He might not be, but he realistically could be as well. And even if the Giants don't want to go in that direction, there are plenty of other interesting safety prospects. You have Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, Lewis Sign from Georgia. You have Daxton Hill from Michigan. There's plenty of talent. The safety group is pretty deep, and that's not even mentioning Baylor's Jalen Petrie. You have the other Baylor kids, JT Woods, I believe. So there's, there's a solid amount of safety talent there. Now safety becomes not a priority, but a need for the New York Giants. Do you think they're going to look at adding someone through the draft or maybe even in free agency? I think we could see them do both, you know, depending on who is, who is available when and you know what grade the Giants put on Kyle Hamilton. You know, it, it's possible they could have a high enough grade on him where if he's there at, at fifth overall, they just take him and say, hey, we got the best player in the draft. How could you how could you other teams let him fall to us? Or, you know, maybe they look in maybe that second, third round pick, the 81st overall. If uh maybe a Jalen Petrie is there, I, I would love him in Wink Martindale's defense. I think that's kind of a hand in glove fit. Or Brisker, Dax Hill, like you said, the names you rattled off. This is a really good safety class. And there's a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things. And you know, there's one other name because you know we are in free agency that you kind of have to bring up. And that's Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. You know, we were talking about this before we started recording. It just seems like Matthew and Wink Martindale were meant for each other. It was a match made in it, it seemed it just feels like a match made in heaven or possibly offensive hell. <laughs> Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. <laughs> yeah, it could be offensive hell. I would love that, but let's be realistic here. Can the Giants support his contract? 
but their cap situation seems a little unrealistic. And would he actually want to come to New York as much as his fit with Martindale makes sense? The New York Giants are not in a competitive move and Matthew's not getting any younger. But I still like the fact that that's kind of getting pitched out there because crazier things have happened in the past. Oh, certainly. Like It, it was a complete surprise when uh, Dominique Rogers Cromartie chose the Giants. So I think the money can be made to work, especially with as much cap room as the Giants have for 2023. You know, right now they're closing in on, on something like a hundred million dollars in salary cap room. Yeah. Next year, once they get past the pinch from this year and they probably don't want to burden that future cap as nearly as much as they could, or as much as they're, the 2021 salary cap was burdened by the 2020 free agency period, but they could possibly do something like that. If it meant adding a player like Matthew, if they're able to recruit him. And that's the big if right there. Can they actually recruit him? And you pointed out before the podcast, Mike Kafka could have a relationship with Matthew. Yes, they were on the opposite sides of the football, but still on the same team. So that could be one check in the box for Matthew possibly being a New York Giant. Again, it is far-fetched. But I want to bring up another addition that the New York Giants made, and it's at a pressing need, in my opinion. And that need is tight end. They signed Ricky Seals-Jones, the former Washington football team player, now commander, the former Arizona Cardinal. And Ricky Seals-Jones, big athletic type of tight end, not necessarily the inline Y blocker, more of an F kind of guy, a move type of guy. How do you feel about this addition with Ricky Seals-Jones and the New York Giants? Well, like you said, it, it was a glaring need because they – basically didn't have any tight ends on the roster after releasing uh, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, Evan Ingram departing to Jacksonville via free agency. They had Merrick on the roster, but yeah, that that's about it. I think this is a potentially impactful signing. The Giants weren't going to go play nothing but 10 personnel all year long. They, they had to bring in a tight end. They probably still have to bring in a tight end. Yeah. yeah, especially an, an actual tight end. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, he started out as a wide receiver. He played wide receiver for Texas A&M, and that's kind of his game. He's, he's actually not dissimilar from Evan Ingram. Uh, similar size, similar levels of athleticism. Ingram is more athletic, but you know, they, they move in similar ways. And very interestingly, they had almost identical uh yard per reception and also identical drop rates last year so it is a little bit ironic to me that the Giants let Ingram leave and then basically bring in the same player (laughs) but it, it it would be interesting and frankly nice to see the Giants finally have a plan for employing and deploying and using that that style of player because I was excited when the Giants drafted Travis Beckham back in the day and he was he was almost the prototype for this kind of hybrid tight end and they tried to make him an inline blocker and that didn't work at all and then they got Evan Ingram and they tried to make him an inline blocker and have him run nothing but shallow crossing routes it it would be nice to see the Giants use a move tight end a big slot and actually use them as the offensive matchup nightmare they are meant to be 
Yeah, and I actually think Evan Ingram probably has better potential in that area to be the matchup nightmare. And Evan Ingram, he's somebody who is inconsistent with his hands, doesn't run the best routes. I feel like he definitely has the athletic edge on Ricky Seals-Jones, the explosiveness I would say goes to Evan Ingram. I actually kind of think Evan Ingram might have been a better blocker than Ricky Seals-Jones. I'm not done completely with the film study on him, but I've watched a couple games. And Ricky Seals-Jones, I'm surprised he's not flagged on every play because he literally (laughs) runs into – he just runs into the opponent and hugs them. His hands are so wide. He has no idea what he's doing. He's a wide frame so he can stay in front of people. And, yes, he is athletic. I wouldn't say he's as athletic as Evan Ingram, like I said, but he's still only 27 years old, big body, feel like he does a really good job kind of climbing the ladder in contested catch situations, plucking the ball away from his frame. I think he probably has better hands than Evan Ingram, just generally speaking, even though they had the same drop rate. I still think Ricky Seals-Jones is a more consistent catcher of the football, just from the film, basing it on that. So those are kind of the the pros and cons. I think you lose a more dynamic athlete, gain somebody who might be a little bit better at catching the football, but it's it's not necessarily a huge upgrade. And I still think the Giants got to look at a Trey McBride or a Jeremy Rucker in the draft on day two, to be honest. Yeah, I actually really like the idea of pairing a Ricky Seals-Jones with, you bring him up, Jeremy Rucker. Yeah, Rucker is one of those guys, he just gets after dudes when he's blocking. Mm-hmm. And he was almost criminally underused in that Ohio State offense. Or it, I, Well, I don't want to say criminally underused because they had so many options when he was there that you can understand them going elsewhere, but he is he has so much potential as a downfield receiving weapon that a 12 personnel grouping with Ricky Seals Jones and Jeremy Rucker, that could be interesting as hell to watch. Yeah, and also Jeremy Rucker wouldn't have to be relied on too much until he's really adjusted to the NFL game, similar to Pat Fryermuth this year. They had Eric Ebron in place, and then Fryermuth towards the end of the season really started to show his dominance as a rookie tight end. I think this could be a similar situation with Ricky Seals-Jones and whoever they go after and draft. So I'm liking the fact that they're investing in these positions. I'm liking that it's not expensive, and we have to realize and acknowledge the fact that the Giants might not be that great of a football team heading into 2022, but they're bringing in just competent players that I feel like they can utilize. Now, obviously, the offensive linemen we talked about, I think they're going to fit in, slide in. Uh, Obviously, Feliciano knows the protection calls, knows Dable's offense. Ricky Seals-Jones, I think he could be a weapon, a very, very poor man's version of what Dawson Knox was with (laughs) Buffalo and Josh Allen last season. But they brought somebody else back before we talk about what's going on with the pro day circuit and some of the other things going on around the league. Do you have any thoughts on the – Giants bringing back Corey Cunningham. And do you trust Corey Cunningham because he spells his Corey with K? Well, I gotta say, I do not trust him because of that. I have had to go back and double check my spelling of his name so many times. Check, no, that doesn't look right, but it's right. But it doesn't look right, but it's right. And as far as, you know, joking aside, this feels like it's a depth move. I don't think the Giants are going to be relying on Corey Cunningham to be their right tackle. If they are relying on him for that, something has gone horribly, terribly wrong. Uh, either a draft pick has gotten injured or they had an absolute nightmare scenario of a draft. But as, as a swing tackle, jumbo tight end, yeah, okay, that, that's fine. Uh, he can help fill out your roster. He can make sure you have a an offensive line for practice during training camp uh 
a reserve, you know, a second string offensive line for uh, preseason games. This isn't huge news. It isn't a big needle mover, but there's really no downside to it. Yeah, there's no downside to it. And if you can't crack the roster, you can always release him. So we, we can go under the assumption, Chris, that the Giants are going to address the right tackle position in the draft, that they don't do anything in free agency, whether that be Iquanu or Neal or Penning in the first round or even Cross, even though he was basically strictly a left tackle, or in the second round, a Filele or an Abraham Lucas from Washington State. Whatever happens, they're going to find somebody to play right tackle that's not on the roster right now. And that puts the Giants in an interesting position where you have Andrew Thomas, you have that player, and now you have Matt Gano as your swing tackle with Matt Parrott whenever he can get back healthy. And then a Corey Cunningham to be that big offensive tackle, tight end, whatever you want to call him, whenever they want to use big personnel. If they use big personnel that much, they use it so much with Jason Garrett. So I think the Giants are just bringing in big bodies that are functional. Corey Cunningham, he's marginal. He's a marginal player right now with some growth because he's still young. Yeah, and you basically throw him out onto the field, throw him out on training camp in preseason, and it will sort itself out. Yeah, this is a coaching staff where they don't really have ties to anyone on the roster right now, you know, except for the ones they are currently bringing in. So if Corey Cunningham establishes himself as a player who deserves to be on this roster, you know, after final cutdowns, he'll be there. You know, he isn't anyone's guy. They didn't draft him. They they are inheriting him, but yeah, they, he is not on scholarship right now. No, and I think that's important to note. And again, you add people here doesn't mean they're going to be on the final 53-man roster. Always keep that in context. But another Giants news. So the Giants, they're, the pro day circuit has taken effect. And it seems like the Giants are making some headlines because they're visiting schools that have some premier running backs, at least day two type of running backs. Specifically, they're at the University of Georgia's Pro Day, which isn't a surprise whatsoever because (laughs) they have just so much talent everywhere. But they're also at Arizona State's Pro Day. Think about Rashawn White. And Michigan State's Pro Day. Think about Kenneth Walker, two running backs who are probably going to be in the day two range. How do you feel about this? Because do you think the Giants are going to find the successor to Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of it will depend on just how the value falls, where their picks fall. Uh, Joe Shane, I think the most notable thing about the Giants showing up at Georgia, because like you said, that their, their team, that pro day, was absolutely stacked. You could field basically an entire NFL defense out of just the guys on the field for that Georgia Pro Day. But I think it was notable that Joe Shane showed up in person for that draft or for that Pro Day. He he was there to watch those guys with his own two eyes. And also, you know, if there was any talking to players to be done, he was there for that. Yeah, I do think it is notable that each of these schools have uh, they're basically three of the definitely three of the top 10 running backs in the draft probably at least two of the top five and we both really like Rashad White so I think it is really notable that the Giants are looking at schools with premier running backs I don't know what's going on with Saquon Barkley. I 
we do know the Giants are open to trading him. A potential destination opened up kind of as a surprise over the last 24 hours in Buffalo, where J.D. McKissick was supposed to sign, yeah, leaving Washington, but he pulled a 180, you know, kind of like Randy Gregory, and in this case decided to go back to Washington. And we have heard that Buffalo is interested in adding a premier running back to their roster. Maybe Joe Shane's talking to his old buddies up, up and out in Buffalo and trying to hammer out a deal with or for Saquon Barkley. And he's covering his bases. He wants to know about these running backs or, you know, they, the giants did cut Devonta Booker. Maybe they are looking at adding a young running back, a guy who, as you say, could be a successor to Saquon Barkley and just take over if and or when the Giants let Barkley leave in free agency. That could be it as well, and they would want to change a pace back. Barkley hasn't been the pillar of health since he's entered the league, well, specifically since 2019. But I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills draft right now, Chris. Brandon Bean calls Joe Shane pick 89, a third-round pick for Saquon Barkley. Do they pull the trigger? If it's me, done and done. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as that because people were talking about fifth-round pick, which I'm, I'm like, no, I don't think I would do that. I think you would rather just take your value, have him sign somewhere else, get the compensatory pick, get his year of 2022 in as well. But at pick 89, I mean, that's not terrible. That's where the Bills are in the third round. They're at pick 57 in the second round. That might be too rich for Buffalo. But if you're, if you're Buffalo, man, think about it from their perspective. If you add a player like Saquon Barkley for one year with the roster that they currently have with Josh Allen, with Steph Diggs, with Gabriel Davis, with Dawson Knox, with the defense, that's a, that's a difference maker in an, a stacked AFC where you need as many difference makers as you can get. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, just from a, a pick perspective, the compensatory formula, there, there is basically nothing sure or given we it would depend on Saquon Barkley having a good enough 2022 to warrant a big contract in free agency and then it would also depend on the Giants not signing enough players to wipe out the loss of Barkley and even then it would depend on what the rest of the NFL does and even then, the best thing you, the highest comp pick you could hope for would be after the last natural third round pick in 2024. So if you could get a, honestly, I would even go down into the fourth round. Anything in fourth round or higher this year, that's more than you are going to get for him. And the Giants also would have to not spend during that next free agency in order to get a compensatory pick that's free agency when they actually lose Saquon Barkley, because those two things factor in together. The giants are big spenders in that free agency. Then the losses that they, that they incur during that free agency would be negated. Yeah, exactly. Now looking at these running backs that, you know, could be catching Joe Shane's eye. We've got, uh, James Cook the third out of, out of out of Georgia, uh, brother Dalvin Cook, who did manage to beat his brother in the forty, so that he's got that on him. Then you've got uh, Rashad White at Arizona State and Kenneth Walker out in Michigan State, who had a phenomenal season. I think all th- we like each of these three guys. They ha- they each have different strengths and weaknesses. If you're the Giants, which one are you going for? 
that's a good one. I also want to throw Zamir White out there as well. He's a Georgia running back who was a five-star prospect, tore both of his ACLs from high school heading into Georgia. So he's going to be a day three pick, but I do like his running style and his story. But if we're just looking at Cook, White, and Walker, honestly, man, you know, I lean towards Cook. I get the appeal of Cook. I really like Cook. But, dude, there's something about Kenneth Walker that I just really, really appreciate. It's the change of direction, his ability to make people miss in a phone booth, that second gear that bursts through the hole. I think I lean Kenneth Walker. Where are you at there? I'm kind of in the same spot. Yeah, Cook, he is a dynamic player. He's a great receiver. He's got contact balance for days, but so does Kenneth Walker. And I think Walker is a little bit more well-rounded of a runner. I would agree. And I was going to say, he's got a little bit more well-rounded of a running back. So there are more ways you can employ him, especially if he's going to be your lead back. Rashad White, he honestly looked a little bit to me like a wide receiver playing running back. But again, contact balance for days, good vision. I wish he could pass protect. (laughs) Yeah, that's one thing with White. Another thing I'll say about Walker that makes me lean towards Cook as well is Walker doesn't have this huge resume of receiving to, to back him up like James Cook has. So I, that's where I think there's a huge conversation to be had between those two. But I would agree as a runner, pure running back, he's definitely more well-rounded, more physical than a Cook. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, it. I think a, a, a lot of it, a whole lot of it, would come down to the type of offense Brian Dabble wants to run. And we don't really know what that is yet. We knew what he molded around Josh Allen, but we don't know what he is going to employ here in New York. I mean, right now, we don't even know, really know who the quarterback is going to be because it looks like it'll be Daniel Jones. But if it's a truly open competition, it could be Tyrod Taylor. It could even be Davis Webb. We don't know right now. (laughs) Chris, I was about to make a joke. And be like, bro, you can't forget Davis Webb. And then you oh, just I will never forget drop Davis in Webb. The <laughs> Dude. Oh man, that's a, that's awesome. Could you imagine that would Twitter would lose its mind? But honestly, just just talking about the the running backs, it's it's going to be in the conversation because I think Joe Shane, Dable, and John Marin, even though he probably doesn't want to admit it. They're not going to want to reset the running back market. They're looking around the NFL. They're seeing how that was just terrible for basically every team that decided to do that. When they look at Todd Gurley back with the Rams to, to go back a couple different or a couple years, looking at Christian McCaffrey's situ, situation right now, the Giants with all the injuries Saquon Barkley had, I, it's just not wise. It's not prudent to make that choice. Yeah, no. It, even with Ezekiel Elliott, who has stayed Ooh. relatively healthy, yeah, he his salary cap number right now is seriously constraining what Dallas can do. Like basically. Dallas had to let Amari Cooper go because of Ezekiel Elliott. And yeah, there is an argument that Elliott is right now Dallas's number two back. So yeah, those massive second contracts for running backs do not age well. They do not age well. And that's why the Giants need to look in another direction more than likely. Before we get out of here though, Chris, I want to bring up one more situation that happened in the NFL that pertains to the New York Giants. And that is Fletcher Cox is finally released by the Eagles. This guy has been a giant killer. How do you feel about that? And are you incredibly scared at the fact that they have a realistic shot to draft Jordan Davis? Um, 
Well, second question first. Yes. <laughs> I would also add I am scared that they could all they could draft Devontae Wyatt because I think he could go in that range as well. And both of those guys are athletic freaks who are capable of wrecking your whole day. Now, to not see Fletcher Cox in Philly anymore, that is a relief. I will breathe significantly easier if he if he signs with a non-NFC East team because I do not want to think about Fletcher Cox on Washington squad with because you know they just released uh, or they moved on moved on from uh, Ioannidis so and I believe Tim Settle as well so that there's an opening there that Fletcher Cox could go in and fill Washington has really has liked to kind of recycle NFC East defensive tackles and I really don't want to see Fletcher Cox in Dallas where, you know, they had a chunk of money set aside for Randy Gregory. He's not using that anymore. I don't want to see him next to Osa Digazua with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and, you know, basically that entire defense and the type of pressure that offense is capable of generating. I would feel so much better if Fletcher Cox somehow found his way out to LA where they have seemingly bottomless resources for signing still good veterans. Yeah. Allen Robinson, you just signed with them, the Rams, yep. if that's who you're talking about, which is just insane. I mean, their 11 personnel package is going to continue to just be something to marvel at. And then speaking of Dallas losing out on pass rushers, them not getting Von Miller and Von Miller signing that deal with, with Buffalo. That was just wow. <laughs> yes. For a player who's, what, 33, 32 years old, signing a six-year, $120 million deal is insane to think about. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of language in that, a lot of potential outs the Bills can get uh, get removed from that contract. I'm sure that's it within the, the contract. But still, man, six years, $120 million at 32 years old. Go and get your bag, Von Miller, bro. Yeah, and that's not his first one. He He's going to need a Brinks truck. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, Chris, do you have anything else, man? Not really. I I have to say I am very curious in kind of a rubberneck, get your popcorn ready type of way about what's going on in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Because, you know, Cleveland, they were in the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes and they got told they were out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And Baker Mayfield's an emotional guy. He has reportedly asked for a trade and Cleveland has said no. I don't see how that can end well, but it will be interesting to watch. <laughs> it's almost like it, it, it's a little wild, man. Cause I feel like it's kind of reminds me of like being in high school. There's, there's a little bit of petulance going on, like a little bit of not understanding the business. And I, and I understand, I get why Baker Mayfield would be upset with this, but at the end of the day, you have to realize that this is a business no? Oh yeah, absolutely. It is. And you know, it, Cleveland is going to have to get another quarterback, which they just stay needing quarterbacks. That's, that is the great constant with the Cleveland Browns. E- even when they get a guy who could be their starter for a long, for a long period of time, they just don't get it right. <laughs> no, I know. Brennan Whedon might be available though, to be honest. <laughs> I'm done. All righty, everybody. Hey, for uh, Big Blue View Radio, I'm Nick Filato, Chris Flum, my good friend. We're over here talking about the New York Giants. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com. Check out all the content. We are just cranking out 
everything that's going on with the New York Giants and around the football league. So please enjoy that. Everybody be safe, take care of yourselves, and have a good one. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.